0: Focus on your strengths and delegate what you aren't good at. A lot of people try to do everything at once when they're starting up. And I'd say, you know, really focus on your strengths and try to allocate budget to delegation. You know? You're listening to the Ecom Exits Podcast with your host, Nate Ginsberg. Learn the best tips and tactics to improve profits, cash flow, and maximize your e commerce business value on the way to a successful exit. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Ecom Exit Show. It's your host, Nate Ginsberg, joined today by my friend, Nathan Resnick, CEO of Sourceify. They have brought to life hundreds of products, working with tons of factories, really helping people to democratize manufacturing, people getting started, as well as um, enterprise businesses. Nate, super good dude, uh, excited to have him on the show to share his knowledge and experience. So Nate, thanks for joining us
0: yeah thanks so much for having me Really excited to be here
1: yeah so uh one thing i you know wanted to get your perspective on i mean as someone who uh, is connected to and working with so many you know so much is going on in China, like you know how is it these days with i mean first we had the the covid situation and all that craziness, and you know has things mostly recovered from from that and and, and then you know, now with all the, you know, Trump China trade war stuff, like what you know, what what's going on?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I mean, when COVID first, you know, had a outbreak in February, China was completely shut for the month. You know, everyone knows that the factories are shut down there for early February, mostly for, you know, Chinese New Year. But it was extended pretty much the whole month of February. You know, we didn't get anything out of China in February. And fortunately now it's pretty much back online. But, you know, there might be a second wave we're seeing, you know, I think what's going on right now is really people are focused on containment. But, you know, in China, I'd say it's primarily back online. And then, you know, where there's a bit of a trickle down effect across, you know, India and throughout Southeast Asia, you know, we've got Vietnam back online, we're seeing India, you know, kind of slowly come back online. But, you know, it's really been detrimental to, you know, manufacturing across Asia.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I guess, what do you see as the, you know, as the future? Like, I mean, I know just, you know, anecdotally from talking to friends and You know, on one hand, hearing about uh, a lot of, you know, still a lot of delays, but also know people that, you know, aren't having delays, I guess, what do you kind of see the the rest of the year? How do you see it kind of, you know, shaken out?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think it depends primarily on the product category that you're producing in. I mean, some products that are in such high demand, like fitness equipment, you know, there's going to be production delays for sure throughout the rest of the year. But in, you know, categories that I would say aren't seeing a huge, huge spike spike in demand, there shouldn't be any delays. And I think right now, you know, top of mind for pretty much any e-commerce founder is diversification. How do I move my supply chain to other countries in Asia? How do I bring it closer to America and Mexico or, you know, even some companies trying to bring it stateside. So it's an interesting time in the world. I mean, I still firmly believe China is the manufacturing hub of the world. But, you know, people are still, you know, hesitant to, you know, diversify. And I think we saw that the past few years with the China trade wars where companies were, you know, kind of forced to diversify because they couldn't pay that increased tariff. And now all of a sudden, there's you know, fears of factories, you know, shutting down. There's fears of a second wave of, of COVID 19, um, and I think there's also a lot of trade tensions right now between America and China.
1: Mm, well, the next thing I wanted to get your, you know, in input or insight into is like, like, kind of get us up to speed on the whole trade wars tension. Like, what's what's going on now, and and you know what could we maybe expect, you know, looking into the future? Yeah, it's it's a great
0: question. I mean, I think, you know, for companies that are importing from China, I think the first thing to consider is, you know, how does that impact your brand from a cost standpoint, but also from a customer satisfaction standpoint? You know, I think customer sentiment here in America is going to continue to shift to want products to be produced outside of China. And I think there's going to be a lot of government incentive to, you know, really push companies to produce products outside of China. I mean, you saw what, Japan did with the stimulus bill, you know, they had $3 billion going to Japanese companies that, you know, are producing products in China to incentivize them to bring production back to Japan. I can see America doing, you know, a similar type of stimulus for companies to, you know, bring production back to America. Now that's, you know, largely in part for, you know, Fortune 1000 organizations, but I think even for e-commerce founders, I think there is the option and going to continue to be the option to, you know, bring manufacturing, you know, either outside of China or, you know, closer to to home, you know, in Mexico. Mm
1: -hmm. Realistically, what are the options or opportunities to do that? I mean, you know, China, of course, makes everything, has made everything, has the infrastructure. And I mean, I remember, you know, when this trade war stuff was just, uh, you know, was was just kind of getting started and a lot of, you know, friends of mine and myself included, everyone's like, oh, okay, like just shift manufacturing to Vietnam. But like, I know it's not that simple. Like Vietnam, they make a lot of things, but they don't make everything. And like, so, you know, so what are the realistic options for them or for brands that are looking for other options? Like where, where do they start? And, and, you know, what, what should they do?
0: Right, well, here's the real ch- real challenge with diversification is it stems, you know, the real challenge with diversification stems from the supply chain of the actual factories. You know, these factories, let's say that are producing bikes, you know, they're assembling the bike, but then you have the bike pedals, the bike spokes, the bike handlebar, you know, you have these little parts that make up the actual bike. And so when you're importing a product, most of the time you're dealing with that, you know, contract manufacturer that's actually assembling the the final product, but they have their own supply chain to get that raw material to produce that final product. And so that's where you're seeing a big challenge because, you know, though you can teach and operate a factory that produces bikes outside of China and, you know, Vietnam or Malaysia or something, at the end of the day, if you're going to have to import all the raw material from China still, it's just not going to make sense to produce those products outside of China. And so that's the real challenge when it comes to diversification and then, secondly, I touch on just certificates. You know, as you start to sell into larger retail, like you know, Walmart or Target or other you know large retail stores, your factories are going to have to have certain certificates to sell into those stores. In the majority of factories outside of China, don't have those certificates that enable them to you know sell into those retailers.
1: Cool. So, what do you like for, for people that are just uh, you know that are getting started in their you know in their kind of sourcing or or you know, manufacturing? journey like what do you recommend like how can people or you know what should they think like should they look at options first that aren't china or should they still look to china or like what would your advice be to someone who's you know looking to start a new brand or is kind of at the beginning of their journey like where should they look for products
0: yeah it's a great question i mean i think if you're just starting out you're still gonna have to look in china because that's where you're gonna have low moqs you're gonna have low minimum order quantities there but you know if you're at scale or starting to produce, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product every year, I think that's really where you can have the entry point to produce products outside of China. Because, you know, factories in Vietnam, factories outside of China, a lot of times are already dealing with larger, you know, Fortune 1000 organization. For them to give you any attention, you have to be placing, you know, solid side purchase orders. Mm. So, I mean, is that like the biggest
1: or one of the biggest barriers to entry, I guess, for some of these other areas that aren't China is just that like, these factories, they're not working with like, you know, MOQ 100 or 500 kind of type orders, they already have these big accounts. And so in order to get their attention, like you have to be doing making big orders.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'll tell you the biggest factory I've ever been to was a 10,000 person factory in Vietnam. I mean, it was literally like a small city, it was incredible to see. And it was a footwear factory that produced for, you know, major brands like Clark's and Sperry. And it was just incredible to see that size. But If you aren't placing, you know, millions and millions of dollars or even tens of millions of dollars in purchase orders with them a year, you know, they aren't going to give you the attention that you want. And so that's where it comes in, you know, from a small, medium-sized business to really try to work with a small, medium-sized factory.
1: And so what about uh, with like, you know, different product categories? Are there certain regions that, you know, certain parts of the world or countries you know depending on the product that you're that you're making if you're looking to find options outside of China are there certain countries that are better or have better infrastructure for certain types of products or yeah places that people
0: yeah kind of start totally to i mean i would say for you know sporting goods or leather goods pakistan is great you know for furniture And, you know, some kind of steel products. Vietnam is great for handcrafted goods and kind of unique oriented goods. I would say India can be great. And there's also a lot of cut and sew factories outside of China as well. So if you look at, you know, Vietnam or, you know, India, Pakistan, like they can all do cut and sew. So if you're doing fashion or any type of bag, like cut and sew will be fine there.
1: Uh, What about like electronic stuff?
0: Electronic is hard to do out of China. It really is. Um, unless you have your own, you know, facility, it's really hard to do outside of China. Why is that? I think primarily because the skill of the labor force stems from China for that. And then also just the raw materials that are needed to produce those electronics are largely you know, in China.
1: So it's like, so China has the skilled labor that knows how to do electronics, plus they have the supply chain of the electronics i guess that's tough to compete
0: with exactly
1: well, what about like i mean like taiwan are they still making electronics or i mean i know they they used to make a lot
0: yeah taiwan is i think it's more at larger scales um but you know if you're doing a small scale electronic production run you know you're probably going to be in shenzhen right
1: so yeah what mistakes do you see people make when they're you know i'd say uh, at any part of their journey if they're early and you know starting out or you know some of these bigger more established businesses that like have been manufacturing for a while like what what are some common mistakes that you see people make
0: you know i think the main mistakes stem from not having their specs ready to sample their product you know a lot of times there's miscommunication when they're in the sampling phase and you have to go through multiple samples to produce a product then it's just going to take longer and cost longer to get to your actual production run. And so I think one of the most important parts of any production run that's often overlooked is dialing in your specs of your product to make sure it's ready to produce. And a lot of people don't realize you can customize anything you want when you're you're manufacturing your product. I mean, you can, customize the zippers, customize, you know, the type of leather, literally customize anything that comes to your mind. Um, and so people don't realize that a lot of times so after the fact, they've sampled their product and that's when they, you know, kind of want to go back and have different iterations. And that's where I think, you know, making sure your specs are dialed in is going to be most important.
1: So you'd say, so get your specs beforehand or just knowing that whatever samples you're looking at or whatever models you're, you know, reviewing, just that like everything is customizable and just kind of like going into it with that, that knowing that you can, you know, adjust anything.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Word. So, so uh, I mean, I know you're, you know, connected to um, a ton of, you know, brands big and small, you know, what is some stuff that like you see is, is working these days or what are some, you know, e-commerce brands that you think are, doing good stuff or kind of, you know, models just in the e-commerce space in general that you think are, are exciting?
0: You know, I think really what's interesting right now is the rise of these kind of single product funnels where a lot of e-commerce companies are really focusing on a marquee product that has upsells and cross-sells. And people are growing seven-figure e-commerce brands on one main product with upsells and cross-sells. And it's really just amazing to see um, because before people kind of w- focus more on expanding their catalog. And now I think a lot of it's come down to more uh, subscription orientation and really, you know, having people, you know, produce their products that are, are more like single product oriented rather than trying to do too much too soon.
1: Yeah. Interesting. And I know this was, uh, you know, we were, we were chatting a little bit about this uh, before we started recording and, and, and I totally agree. And I mean, it's like, you know, for me personally coming from the Amazon space, and general blueprint there. I mean, launch products on Amazon. I mean, they they could be related. They don't even have to be, but if you're building mm-hmm. a brand there, it's like, okay, you're in the hair space and so you've got your, you know, shampoos and then you just kind of build out this, you know, line of of products that the goal on on Amazon with a quote unquote brand is just like loosely related enough to be able to throw in a website so that like, if someone wants to buy it, it looks like it's cohesive enough. Like there isn't, the reality is like, there's not a ton of like synergy between the products, but like people still, I mean, you know, there's some, but like, it's not, cross sells upsells down sells cetera, isn't so much of a thing on Amazon and like you're still trying to build out 5 10 20 30 products in this line and and yeah like versus these um, i mean single product funnel where there's you know one main product but then you know you really only need to have like two or you know you could add on some cross sells or upsells have a you know total catalog of like two different skus or three different skus Are you seeing a lot of kind of your customers or just kind of in the industry in general? Is that something that you're seeing coming more popular or they're kind of being a, a shift over to?
0: Yeah, I think it's becoming more popular because, you know, brands are becoming more known for, you know, single products that they're great at. And I think, you know, what people do is once they have an audience dialed in around one product, they start launching into other products. Like the best example of this is probably, you know, Movement Watches, MVMT. What they did is basically, you know, start with that marquee, red and black watch and then expand it to sunglasses you know they also have jewelry coming out and so they started with just watches and kind of basic watches but now they have you know quite a bit larger of a catalog to expand on uh uh-huh. word
1: so if you were getting into uh you know some new products or new brands like how would you think about that or like where would you yeah i mean just curious like your kind of thought process of like if you were launching some new products or brands like how would you yeah. do it
0: Yes, a great question. I mean, there's a few things I'd really keep in mind. Number one is strong margin. I'd say most high growth e-commerce brands have at least an 80% gross margin. So if they're selling a product for $100, they aren't spending more than $20 to produce it. Secondly, I'd say, is it subscription oriented? Meaning every month, is someone going to be reordering your product? Can you get them on a subscription? Because you know SaaS businesses, whether they be software oriented or product oriented, are going to sell for a lot more. And then number three would be you know really Uh, product pipeline, like how easy is it to upsell and cross sell this product with other products or how how easy is it to bundle this product with other things? So those are kind of the three main things I'd look at when uh, trying to grow a e-commerce brand today. That
1: all makes sense and, and agree. Those are good things to try to dial in. But what about, you know, subscription type stuff? I mean, obviously there's, you know, consumables, supplements, cosmetics, like, I mean, what other kind of stuff could people think about or like? I
0: mean, right now I look at the most trending industries, you know, with, you know, coronavirus, with COVID-19 going on, you know, people are staying at home, they're working from home, they're exercising at home, they're cleaning things off all the time. They're trying to stay, you know, uh, with a high immune system. You know, those are kind of the categories and thoughts that I would have if trying to launch an e-commerce brand in, in 2020. Because I think even next year, the year after, people are going to be so much more health conscious and a lot of people want to, you know, become more comfortable with where they're working and more people are starting to work from home.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's true and, and good insight or, or, you know, future thinking. And, and I agree. I mean, I, I think that, you know, whatever happens with this COVID situation, you know, in the, in the future, like this isn't, it's impacted our world and uh, it's not, it's not just going to go away. And like, I mean, I don't think and certainly hope that the world like isn't going to collapse or anything, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, but it has been changed. And so, so yeah, agree about, uh, you know, looking forward to that. Yeah, man. Uh, and I know you uh, got a jump and uh, so appreciate the time. Uh, last question before we wrap up is what would be your number one tip for someone looking to, you know, really, I mean, whether it comes to sourcing, uh, as, but but really just anyone that's looking to build a, you know, a seven figure, eight figure econ brand.
0: Um, I would say delegation, you know, focus on your strengths and delegate what you aren't good at. A lot of people try to do everything at once when they're starting up. And I'd say, you know, really focus on your strengths and try to allocate budget to delegation. You know, there's reason why people are experts in, you know, Amazon listings, people are experts in, you know, Facebook ads, people are experts in sourcing. Like, I would just try to focus on your strengths and be the best at that and delegate the rest to people that, you know, can crush it in in other aspects for you.
1: Word, man. Well, uh, thanks for that last tip. Thanks for everything. Uh, last but not least, yeah, let the audience know where they can, uh, find more info about you and, uh, get in contact.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty active on social media, just, you know, Nathan Resnick on LinkedIn or Twitter Instagram, And then, you know, our website is just sourceify.com. So if you have any manufacturing questions, just, you know, hit us up and, uh, we're always happy to help. All right,
1: Nate. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Good to chat and, uh, yeah, hope we can meet up somewhere sometime not too distant future.
0: (laughs) Likewise. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, man. Good to chat. This has been the Ecom Exits Podcast with Nate Ginsberg. If you're enjoying the Ecom Exits Podcast, show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help other smart entrepreneurs find us. We appreciate your support. We have a new episode every week on the Ecom Exits podcast. So catch you next time.